Welcome to the SPU Voices podcast, an interview show where we hear personal stories that have universal impact. My name is Amanda Stubbert, and I am your host. I'm also the alumni director at Seattle Pacific University. This is my producer. My name is Kyle Brown, and I am an alumnus of SPU. I am also an alum and a current parent, so we're pretty attached to this place. But the best part of our jobs is when we get to hear these stories that actually change lives. So whether you're working out or sitting at your desk pretending to work, sit back and relax. Let's tell some stories. This week, we spoke with Ashley Rodriguez about her journey discovering herself and her love of food, and then bringing that to other people. Kyle, do you like to eat? Repeatedly. As do I. Do you like to sit around the fire with your friends? Then this is the episode for you. Ashley Rodriguez is the creative genius behind the award-winning food blog, Not Without Salt. She's the author of two best-selling cookbooks, and Ashley hosts a new YouTube series called Kitchen Unnecessary, which was recently nominated for a James Beard Award. We're recording today in her beautiful new event space in Ballard because, of course, we wanted to chat with her over a delicious meal. Ashley, thank you for joining us and for feeding us today. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thanks for being here. Ashley, you have accomplished an awful lot uh, in, in the food realm, which I'm sure a lot of people wish they could break into because it just seems like a lot of fun. But I happen to know you got there through a roundabout way. You didn't go to culinary school. You didn't go to college for nutrition. So can you just start by giving us a, a snapshot of that journey and, and how you made your way to food? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, you know, when you're in the midst of, of the journey, it doesn't make any sense at all. And now having the perspective of many years, it's cool to see how it all perfectly aligned. But I was going to school, getting an art degree and my teaching certification for high school. So I was planning on becoming a high school art teacher. And uh, I took advantage of the consortium travel abroad program at SPU. And so I spent a semester in Italy and I was studying art history, the Italian language. Um, You know, what better way to learn about art than sitting right under the masterpieces, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So when I was in Italy, um, I was, you know, living off of a student budget and I would go to the farmer's market every, every week just to, just to experience it. And I would always go go back to, we were living in a convent, as students were living in a convent, wow. so I'd go back to the convent with my tiny little hunk of Parmesan cheese and a slice of Pizza Bianca, which is basically just like focaccia, and uh, I would just cherish that Parmesan and the focaccia, and you know, we would go out to eat on occasion, and it was really, I was spending what little money I did have all on food, and at first I was like, oh no, but you can't take that with you. I should, you know, well, the other girls were kind of out shopping and trying to find like the perfect pair of boots to take home from Italy. (laughs) That would be me. I would want the boots. I know. I wanted to too, (laughs) but I I just couldn't resist like those plates of pasta. And it was, um, the food was so simple, but it was unlike anything that I'd ever tasted before. And I absolutely fell in love. And I also realized that it was the, it was the first time I experienced a culture that existed around the table. Mm -hmm. You know, the the town shuts down for three hours in the middle of the day so that people can go home and have a meal with their family 
and then take a little nap because after a plate of pasta, you know, you yeah, everybody a needs rest. a nap. Yeah. Yeah. But those, those times that we were going out to eat, we were having this incredible experience and I was getting to know the students and, and those were the things that I was taking back with me. And that time influenced me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, you know, I, I knew that I would be so inspired by the art and, and all of that education, but I fell in love with food and I fell in love with the table, basically, and the magic that can happen when you gather people around the table. So things kind of shifted when I came back from Italy and something clicked that I realized, man, people can make a living around food. And I wanted that. And I just, I felt hard. Just my passion for food grew so quickly, but I kind of wanted to go and see what that looked like a little bit more before Mm -hmm. I really considered culinary school, which you know, it's a big financial investment. So I just wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision. So I actually started by working at the Essential Baking Company. Love that place. Yeah, I know. It's not not bad, except that my shift was 7 p.m. till 3 in the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So much for the social life around the table outside of work. Yeah, exactly. And um, my husband, Gabe, and I, we had just gotten married and he was working in a bank. So he was working nine to five and I was working 7 p.m. till three in the morning. Wow. Baking. But it, it was a really, really cool experience. It was during the time when William Lehman, who now owns Bakery Nouveau, he was the chef there. So it was really fun. And he was studying for the Coupe du Monde, the bread baking championship that he went oh, and competed wow. for in France and they ended up winning so it was really cool because like every day at work he'd be like making this incredible bread sculpture yeah so that was an amazing experience and I continued to fall hard for it and uh, then Cape and I decided to move to LA got a job at um, Spago a restaurant in Beverly Hills and worked very on the line. famous restaurant very, in Beverly Hills very well known very uh, it was an incredible experience very intense I felt like I was getting paid to go to culinary school. That was sort of the education that I was receiving. Um, And then we, when we were living in LA, we got pregnant with our first kid. And so that, you know, has a way of shifting everything, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's, we're on a different, different path than what, what we expected. So we ended up moving back to the Pacific Northwest. And then I started a blog and I had a wedding cake and dessert catering business on the side, but the blog was born then, and that's kind of how I, it led to everything that I do now. So I fell in love with food writing and recipe writing and food photography, and then from there, I've just continued to follow my passion in food and just do whatever I can to try and get people around the table as often as I can. That's amazing. I just, I love when I hear how people find their passion. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you didn't really know. You kind of yeah. fell into it. But going through life, especially those earlier years in your life, open to travel and open to experience yep. in your passion, it feels like things just kind of come to you. And I, I love that you can see that throughout your life mm-hmm. of just being open to what's next and and letting things find you. Yeah. Do you want to talk to us about your new video series? Because I hear you just got back yes. from Montana shooting an episode yes. there. Oh, man, I would love to tell you about it. So it's called Kitchen Unnecessary. And it's basically the joined passions of my brother and I. My brother is the co-creator. He loves the outdoors, as do I. We both love food. And it was this project that was dreamt up around the campfire. We take the our kids um, and our other brother's kids. Where there's, there's three of us siblings, and then each of us siblings has 
three children, so there's okay. nine children just running in the woods. What's the summer. age range of all the uh, nine? The oldest, she's going to be 16 in a few weeks, and then my baby is the youngest, and she's eight. So that's, they're really that's close a great troop. It's a yeah. Great, yeah, it's really, really fun. They all watch out for each other, and they get along very, very well. So we're sitting around the campfire, and year after year, I'm kind of like, increasing what our camp fair looks like you know I love good food and like anytime there's an opportunity to eat there's an opportunity to eat beautiful food and that includes when we're camping so I just kind of started like upping our camp food and as we're sitting around I think we were eating like a braised chicken thigh and we had this cast iron skillet full of melted cheese and we're dipping bread into it and just having this incredible experience as we do, we're kind of sitting around spinning ideas, and my brother's an incredible cinematographer and filmmaker, and so we that's how Kitchen Unnecessary was born. Okay, wait. So you have nine kids that are getting along, playing in the woods, mm-hmm. and you have gourmet, delicious, perfect food over the campfire. Mm-hmm. The real question is, can I come camping yeah. with you? <laughs> you know, we get lots <laughs> of people inviting themselves onto our camping trips, and I say the more the merrier, you know? Absolutely. That's part of Kitchen Unnecessary too, is to hopefully inspire people to spend more time outside and make the food, you know, something to aspire to, but it's also, I hope, very, very approachable. And, you know, it's it's shot so beautifully, but it's at at the same time supposed to be educational and, and encourage people to try this technique because it is an experience that is unlike any other. And Kitchen Unnecessary that, you know, we start off by working with a guide who takes us out to forage, hunt, fish for these wild ingredients that are accessible. That's what I was saying to to Chris. We were just on a just just the two of us out in the woods yesterday just for fun out gathering some morels and I'm thinking like man wild food is it's classless it's accessible to everyone yes in the market you know these these morels will they're expensive but Mm -hmm. if you if you have a car if you're willing to you know, do the research and put in the time, you too can come home with a basket of these beautiful mushrooms. And I, lo- I love that. And I love, you know, educating people on the bounty that exists naturally and then doing as little as we can to it because the ingredient is so incredibly delicious and precious and such a gift. Then we just cook, cook it over the fire in the way that, you know, has been done for generations and generations and have this incredible transformative experience while sitting outside it's really it's really beautiful you know as a as a mom of two children and a part of a group of friends that have with again 10 kids Mm -hmm. all told and gone on camping trips for years what I love most about that is you're taking the part that's the chore Mm. that someone has to go away from the fun Mm. and go do the chore and you're making that a lovely part of the experience yeah. like instead of oh shoot I drew the short straw this meal I have to go away from everyone else and go cook it becomes actually part of the trip yeah that it's something that everyone's involved in and enjoys and, and you're in the center of the fun if you're cooking because everyone's right. gathered around the fire and you're cooking over the fire and I will say I mean I now for those family camping trips I'm kind of like the camp chef in that I create the menu and then I create a list of like okay can your family bring da 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 right your family bring da 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 you know so it's really it's not just one person sharing you know 
it's it's definitely a shared experience. Okay, so I'm going to go camping with you guys, but yep. then you're going to come with my family, okay, right? <laughs> so you can show us how perfect. to do all these things. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, so you do have three small children. Yeah. As you write cookbooks and keep your blog going and publicized and launch a video series, no big deal. <laughs> How do you do all these things? How are there even enough hours in the day? Well, that's the problem. There aren't enough hours in the day, but I I am not alone in all these endeavors. My husband is the most supportive and encouraging partner I could have ever asked for. So it's definitely not a solo gig. And now my kids are at the ages where I have a little bit more flexibility in my day. They're all in school. Um, I also, we try and take them on these adventures with us and we take them even into the day to day. I mean, this space that you see here is often cleaned by my 13 year old who needs yes. you know, some spending cash I and love that. all the things. It's like we have this as you know, both Gabe and I are freelancers and we have this this gift of time in that uh, we get to be home when they come home from school, but we also, we have this flexibility that we get to take them into the process and see, you know, what it's like to grow business, what it's like to have an idea and follow through with that, uh, the hardships, the joys, all of it. And that is such a gift that we've created these careers in this life that they get to be a part of it. And especially as they get older, it gets easier and easier to to bring them into it and they don't always want to be brought into it and that's (laughs) that's fine too but um yeah especially the the last cookbook that just came out let's stay in is sort of a collection of recipes that are all approved by them for the most part there's a few that i kind of overrated that i was like no this is going in the book even though it doesn't get all three of their thumbs up so um yeah. Do they cook with you as well? Sometimes. And, um, you know, it's kind of like over the years, it's sort of changed as they've as, as they've changed and the boys are not as into it. Although it, it just depends on the day. I've ne- it's never been something that I've forced. And when they were really young, like cooking dinner was kind of my like sink. Sanctuary. Yes. <laughs> it's like that moment where I was like, you okay, must be out of the you kitchen. Take them yes. Out of my sight for just a, like a little bit so I can have this time to be creative and, and yes. to play in the kitchen. And um, so if they, if at that age when they wanted to come into the kitchen, it was very much like, okay, this is kid cooking time. I needed to separate it for myself in order to stay sane. But now they're, yeah, they're really helpful and they're starting to do things more just on their own. And I'm trying to encourage them to, yeah, just go play in the kitchen because that was the gift that I feel like my mom gave me was not being afraid of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I think that oh, it doesn't is, have to be perfect the first time. Yeah. And, and play around if you think that, oh, maybe, you know, the combination of this plus this sounds interesting, try it. Cause I think that sets you up for a lot of success. It's one thing to be able to learn how to read a recipe. It's another to feel like you have power over it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And really just learning what you like. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of parents who give the children the bland food that they like the first time always, um, what you take away from a child is is that learning experience of what mm. they actually do like. Yeah. Because, you know, the whole just try it once. And, you yeah. know, sometimes they're not going to like it, but sometimes they do. I remember my sister used to, you know, oh, you each have to have one bite, my sister and mm-hmm. I, have, of a new food. And then she would say, 
okay, I'll just have one more, but just for you, just for you. And then we'd go back to eating and everyone had ignored her and it didn't matter. And then she'd go, excuse me, I'll have one more, but just for you. Oh my gosh. And that first it was zucchini and then it was broccoli. And then, yeah, yeah, usually I just had the one bite and moved on, but she just would keep one more, but just for you, you. just for you. So you know who I'm doing this for. That is really funny. So I do have to ask the one question every parent is thinking, do you make your kids peanut butter and jelly and chicken nuggets or do they always get grilled they asparagus? Oh, okay. Peanut butter and jelly <laughs> sandwiches. No, uh, it's definitely, well, first of all, when Gabe and I first started having children, we said, okay, we'll never be like short order cooks. You know, it's not going to be the three we'll separate this. meals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we also never wanted the dinner table to be a battleground. So it's not you have to clean your plate. It's, you know, but we do have the rule of a no thank you bite. And it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like, okay, you tried the broccoli. Now you don't ever have to eat broccoli again in your life. It's like, no, every time we have the broccoli, you need a no thank you bite. Mm -hmm. That's how I taught myself to love oysters. It's like everyone says so many wonderful things about oysters. I'm I'm missing out on something. And so I just tried it again and again. And it's like, you know, then you eventually learn to fall in love with them. But no, they all are their own individuals. They all have different taste buds. They all have their likes and dislikes. And, you know, our food on an everyday basis is quite simple and it's nothing too extravagant. Um, Although they do have the occasional, you know, they eat things that a lot of other kids don't or that they don't see on a daily basis and my middle son is in, incredibly adventurous and he love he can just pound a dozen oysters all by himself or you know he loves the pate that they serve at Le Pichet like that <laughs> like that's his love yes, language I right there take, take him to take him to Le Pichet and order the pate plate and he's just set for life following the your mom's footsteps I not, love it not, not the, there not yet. Not the same. No. Not the same palate. Yeah. So, you know, but the f- I get really excited about food and I want to be excited about what's being served for dinner. And so mm-hmm. I cook very seasonally and the food that I, that sounds really good to me and if they don't like it. But you know what? Sometimes macaroni and cheese sounds really good too. And because really that's the thing is like I want, I want them to find enjoyment in food and understand what a gift it is and to want to be at the table because that really is right. such a precious time. Absolutely. And I know it's so important to keep trying. Yes. I remember trying to make homemade fish sticks for my children one Mm. time and their comment was it tastes like wet chicken I don't even know what that means but it was like okay that was a fail but that didn't mean I was gonna stop trying right right. and I think it can be it can be hard you try and then when they reject you just give it up but there's definitely moments where I mean that's part of the reason why this space that we're sitting in now is created because I wanted a table that I could feed people and and uh, people who appreciate food and appreciate the food that I cook because I definitely don't always feel appreciated at my house. Yes. <laughs> because yes. they are kids and they all have different tastes. And, you know, even my husband and I, we have polar opposite taste buds. And I'm the one who, he really doesn't like to cook. So I do most of the cooking. So I'm going to cook things that sound good, good to, to you. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. That doesn't always win fans in the family. <laughs> So full circle from this moment in Italy mm-hmm. where you say, I want my life to be about bringing people together mm-hmm. around food, creating culture, fostering family to this this space that you have, the way that you're reaching folks from your blogs to your cookbooks to your videos. What are you most proud of throughout mm-hmm. that whole journey? 
Oh, man. Oof, that's a good question. I think that in it all, kind of like what you were saying, just um, seeing, looking back on that path and seeing the passions emerge and just fearlessly following that passion, that curiosity. I think sometimes even passion is too big and too scary of a word. And it just starts with this little like igniting light feeling almost like in your belly that you're like, oh, that sounds fun. And so just every step of the way I've listened to that and followed that. And, you know, I do feel like it is put there by the creator. Like, okay, this is what I'm meant to do. And then it's just been so incredible to watch that then unfurl and see what comes of it in the midst of that, then bringing, yeah, bringing people to the table or around the fire or whatever that looks like to facilitate these moments of just enjoying life and enjoying what has been given to us. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. And we are so proud of you for everything that you you. have created. So the other side of that coin, what's next? What's what's next on the, the docket of this passion journey? I mean, just more of the same, I hope. I just, I do feel so ridiculously blessed and fortunate to, to just be excited to get up and go work. Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. and you know there's so many times where I have these moments that it's like I get paid to do this this is crazy um so yeah more of the same and and right now I'm really really excited about the work that we're doing with Kitchen Unnecessary and I think it has a very powerful message and so I think just continuing with that and there's so many so many places I want to go and see and learn from um, different cultures and different people about, you know, wild foods and the techniques that people have been using for forever to prepare this food. So I think, I think there's so much more that we could be doing there and just continuing to hopefully inspire people to meet at the table. Well, you've definitely inspired me. Now I want to go, she was talking about cattails before. I didn't yes. even know any part of a cattail was edible. So now I'm excited that's to go that's forage so some and figure just, it out. I walk down the street and I'm like, oh my gosh, you can eat that. You can eat that. You can eat that. It feels like a whole, I mean, I've been working in the food industry for 15 years now and it just feels like there's always more to learn. And now I feel like a whole new palette of ingredients is open up to me, which is so incredibly exciting. As yeah, I, I read recently that there used to be dandelion gardens yeah. because people cooked with dandelions all the time. Yeah, and the flowers, suddenly the they're buds, the leaves, weed. they're yeah. all edible. The nettles stinging. I don't know if you grew up in the Pacific Northwest and you remember getting stung by stinging nettles. Oh, yes. Those are yes. edible. Delicious. And one of the most nutritious greens that you can eat. Never ending. Eat your weeds. Eat your weeds. That's instead of <laughs> eat your greens. Eat your weeds. I love that. That'll be your next cookbook. There eat you your go. weeds. It the idea came here. There it you came go. from here. The question I like to end with every interview is you clearly have something that makes you different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And if if you could tell everyone in the Seattle area to do one thing different with their life starting tomorrow that was gonna mm-hmm. make the world a better place, what would you tell them to do? Get outside get outside. Yeah. That's my current mantra. I think the more time I spend outside, the more my day-to-day is lived in better perspective. I feel smaller, which is a good feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're just sitting at the computer, you're trying to tackle your to-do list, it feels huge and um 
you know, anxiety sets in and you, all of all of these swirling feelings and and I'm at the center of all of that. And mm-hmm. then the moment I Too step much responsibility. outside, yeah. The moment I step outside, the moment I stand at the edge of of the water and look out and all I see is water or I look, you know, yesterday we were high up in the mountains. Everything feels small and I think that's the right perspective. And then I also think the more time you spend outside, the more you experience just how incredibly transformative the environment is being in the midst of creation that is working miracles on a daily basis the more we'll want to do whatever we can to care for it and make sure that it continues for generations and I think that's incredibly important right now well Ashley thank you so much for having us here today uh we want to come back and eat with you many times and now I want to go camping with you as well yeah we'll get it get it on the calendar do this (laughs) all right everyone who's listening we're going to Ashley's for dinner (laughs) we'll see you there anytime We hope you liked today's interview and learned something along the way. From Amanda and Kyle, we ask you to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep bringing you these personal stories with universal impact. See you soon.